again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 98. I am Michael Citro. I am the managing editor of TheMainland.com. And uh, I have to say that uh, I'm going to apologize for my voice right in advance because I'm uh, I'm harboring one of those summer colds and uh, I'm not happy about it. But we'll see if the voice holds out. We've got a lot to get to. I'm going to bring in my co-host as ever, uh, Mainland writer Dave Rowe. Dave, how are you doing? Well, uh, I don't have a summer cold, so uh, a little better than you, I guess. Um, you know, and I I know that uh, you apologize for your voice. I apologize for mine, just because naturally I'm going to apologize for it. So, but we'll just we'll we'll, we'll soldier on as best we can. Absolutely. Uh, so, of course, we have to uh, talk about all of the big happenings in the uh, the world of Orlando City Soccer Club and. Um, you know, one of the big things, obviously, would be the the signing of uh, Yoshimar Yotun. Yep, um, Yoshi coming in, and how how much fun is it to be able to call somebody Yoshi? I mean, you know, we all go back to our our, uh, our game playing days for that one. But <laughs> uh, um, regardless, um, you know, this was one of those uh, signings that uh, kind of came out of a uh, left field. You know, we. we We've talked many times about how uh, Jason will bring in people that we just we hadn't heard of or hadn't thought of, uh, and then of course he brings in Dom, and and we're all okay. Well, we know Dom, and Dom's great, and this and that, and then back to business as usual with uh, with Yoshi, and and uh, we're all scrambling to go. Okay, who is this guy, and what's he going to do? Um, uh, I I think uh, it's it was an an interesting acquisition. Um, I'm hopeful, but uh, uh, cautious. I, I I can't wait to see him on the field. Uh, hopefully, uh, this week, and then um, and and see if uh, it was a more of a, a, a specter acquisition or something else. Yeah, it was uh, one. It was it was a surprise, obviously, to all of us. We we had uh, not had this guy on our radar at all, and uh, when I first looked him up I thought defender and defensive midfielder wait a minute we don't need that and then uh you know talking to some people with the club seeing how they're they're planning on using him more as an attacker and using him for his ability to feed through balls and get forward and and do set pieces and all of these things that he's very adept at uh made me optimistic I saw some um highlight videos which you know you can only take so much from those because of the fact that you know you're only going to see, obviously, the best of the best on the highlight videos. But there's obviously some skill there. And, um, you know, even if he just plays a role that, like, say, Krishna Gita has been playing, you're going to get the same defense, but you're going to get a better offensive player moving forward. So it's an upgrade any way you look at it. Obviously, the club felt strongly about this, uh, making him a designated player and using one of those three coveted slots and buying down Giles Barnes. Um and I don't know. I, I I tend to think that Jason Christ thinks uh, very highly of Krishna Gita as a stopper. So I don't know if the play is to take Nocherino out and move, um, you know, Igita to a, a role which is just focused on defense. Since he's, as I like to say about Christian, he doesn't have an offensive bone in his body. Um, <laughs> or if the if the replacement is for Igita, because you know, uh, I did the grades this week, and we'll talk about the Montreal game in a minute, but. You know, all I see is a high percentage of passes being completed that are either backward or square balls 
from Egita, and a lot of them, even if they're complete, are a little late, and they're and they end up getting taken away off of the player that he's completed them because he's waited too long to, to release the ball. It's it's not been a problem with him in the past, so I don't know if this is a a, a lack of confidence on his part, or if it's the system, or if it's um, you know just a bad run of form for him. But uh, clearly, he's he's not been himself this year, and you know Yoshi coming in uh, should be able to hopefully. Uh, provide a spark if nothing else and, and if he's as talented as as the club seems to think he is and uh, can fit fit the role that they think he can fit then uh, it should be a good addition for uh, Orlando City well and that's the key thing there is as you know we've we've talked for many weeks now of the uh, the, the two needs that were uh, uh, apparent for Orlando City that being a uh, an additional offensive striker which we got with Dom and then uh, we all, of course wanted an attack and midfielder which like you said um, we may or may not have gotten I don't know that's kind of the that's the interesting thing and you talked about who he's going to come on for I mean obviously we, you know in the midfield uh, uh Kikala Notorino uh Higita and Johnson okay well so who of that do you pull uh and if you do does that change the shape um so it, it's it's going to be I, I think we'll all be interested in and perhaps surprised of uh, when Yoshi comes in, whether it's to, to start the match or to come on late, where, where does he come in? Who comes off for him? Who is he replacing in that midfield? And I think that will uh, answer a lot of questions in regards to how he's going to get used and uh, what his role uh, in crisis lineup is going to be. Um, I, my hope is that, um, like you said, if it, if it is Higita, um, that it's a – because he's going to be um, – doing a better job of, of, you know, pushing the ball forward. Uh, you mentioned you did grades. Well, I did five takeaways. And uh, one, of the, one of the takeaways was, gosh darn it, start going forward with the ball. I mean, uh, it was incredibly frustrating uh, watching as, as so many balls were went back and square. And, you know, it seemed like we – no matter what, nobody wanted to, to go forward with the ball, especially after the goal. So it, it's um, – my hope is that uh, Yoshi, like you said, is that spark that um, gets us moving forward, back on the front foot. Uh, that's that's how – you know, we're, we're below the line. We need to do something different. And that's, uh, and we've said it for weeks now. Uh, that's, that's the thing that needs to change is, is getting that ball forward, getting it up to those strikers, be able to serve balls into, uh, Dom and Kyle, uh, so that they can take advantage of their skills and score goals. And we can, you know, get back on the, the top end. Right. There has to be some outlet, uh, to release those guys other than Kaka. Cause if you take him out, of the equation there's really you, you've choked off the service to the top two uh in the formation and, and nobody else seems to be adept at getting the ball there except for you know scott sutter on those crosses and you know you mentioned going backward and it's the first instinct of every player on that field it seems like it's the only one that doesn't that does seem to take on defenders and try to make unexpected moves is scott sutter i think uh mm -hmm. on the team right now and that's you can't have your right back be the only creative player out there. So, um, you know, we're, we're well, I mean, I'd add, I'd add Dom to that, but of course he's up top. Yeah, I know. And uh, what I'm saying is from the, from the, the midfield back, you're really only getting oh, sure. one guy taking guys on you. you you've, you've absolutely got to make people miss. I mean, you look, 
if you look, obviously, I'm not comparing the two uh, leagues, but if you look at what happened um, last night as we record this in the Pride game, you saw Marta put on a clinic on taking on defenders, making them move one direction and then go in the other direction and moving the ball mm -hmm. forward. She did a very good job of that. It was maybe the best display that I've seen from her since she's joined the Pride, but we'll talk again more about yeah, we'll the Pride. we'll talk about that bit. later, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm optimistic about this signing. I was kind of hoping for one more creative midfielder. Maybe they can play on the right side. It uh, doesn't look like uh, as we record this that there's any more moves left in Orlando City in this window, but it's, I think, a pretty effective window when you bring in a DP and uh, essentially two DP-level players in Dom Dwyer and, and Yoshi uh, Yotun and um, you know I, if we hadn't brought in Yoshi I would be really jealous of DC United for bringing in a guy named Zoltan uh, but mm -hmm. we have a Yoshi so that's just as good in my book <laughs> well they are both uh, like uh, um, video game names so uh, you know and, and Yoshi's probably you know more well known as a video game name so uh, we'll, we'll go with that that's uh, about as, as, as good as we can do you, you know um, like you said uh, the, the odds are that we don't pick up anybody else uh, as we are recording. Of course, the fact that we've said that means that inevitably it'll happen probably in the next hour or so. It can't happen. Uh, I just don't have the energy to write it up. <laughs> well, you better let them know that. that. <laughs> Say, look, I'm sorry. I know you guys were planning on signing somebody, but Michael can't do it. Yeah, so. you're just going to have to wait till the winter window. You're just going to have to wait till winter, yeah. Uh, but, you know, re regardless, um, like you say, there's, there's two – uh, you know, bringing in Don, bringing in Yoshi, um, those are two good pieces. Um, hopefully, uh, it, it, Dom, as we, we spoke last week, uh, hasn't had uh, too much time with the team in the, uh, prior to the games that he's played with them. So, um, and, and even then, has has threatened. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I think that uh, he, Dom being Dom, will come along, and um, you know, uh, when I was doing my five takeaways, I mentioned how. Uh, I mean, he was all over the field. I mean, he was making defensive plays. He was making offensive plays. I mean, the man hustled. Um, so I'm not at all worried about that. I'm very anxious to see what Yoshi can do um, other than what we've seen in highlight films. Um, hopefully he's had enough uh, time to, um, and, and of course, never enough, um, to work with the team, you know, for this weekend for New York Red Bulls. We'll have to see. Obviously, um, you know, the longer he's with it, uh, the better it will be. So, you know, if not this week, then next week will be a better indication of what he can do. So I, I would caution people to um, take whatever it is that he does uh, against New York uh, with a grain of salt. He's only going to have had so much time with the team. And, uh, you know, these, these things absolutely take time for, you know, players to – get together and figure each other out and know what they're going to do in regards to, you know, open spaces and moving and, and everything else. So, um, still a good acquisition. Um, I, I simply await the, uh, the on the field, uh, observations. Yeah. I, I thought that, uh, why don't we get into the, the Montreal game? Cause I think, I think Dom and, and Kyle, at least from Dom's perspective, they started to work a little better together in terms of Dom was able to find Kyle a few times, mm -hmm. um, send him in on, on one opportunity that uh, where Kyle uh, shot over the net and send him in on another opportunity where Kyle decided he didn't want to shoot uh, with his off foot and ended up being closed down and then the chance evaporated. But those were two opportunities that were created by Dom 
who had only been with Kyle, uh, probably you can measure it in minutes on the field, really. Um, it, it was uh, it was a good a good growth game, I think, between those two, although certainly the ball not getting forward nearly enough in that game. Um, you know, it was it was a case of where Orlando was able to score the first goal kind of out of nothing, a, a, a great op, a, a really great individual effort from Kyle Laren uh, after Sutter had uh, had cleared a ball out of the defensive end and he just out muscled uh, Marco Donadell uh, who you never want to really if you're Montreal you don't want to see Kyle Laren squared up on on Marco Donadell's strength on strength because you're going to lose that battle every time and um, it was off of a, a set piece clearance and uh, they clearly were not equipped to deal with the, the counter that that Kyle put forward he, he just out muscled Donadell got to the ball and, and shot it quickly before Evan Bush could come out and get into position. So uh, a good goal from Kyle, and it was nice to see him back on the score sheet. Yeah, and it was a, uh, like you said, not just the out muscle, but it was um, it was well played by Kyle to, um, to take the ball in, to turn, get around him, and then um, uh, get his foot on the ball. I mean, you know, if it was somebody who was six inches shorter than him, that's no goal. So, uh, you know, to... As the goalie's coming out, he gets his foot in the ball, just nudges it in uh, exactly how he needs to. Um, that, that's a um, that's experience. That's him becoming a better striker uh, on a on a thought level. He's obviously he's got the natural ability, but that was a a well played, um, experienced striker goal. And, um, you know, well earned by him. And I'm, I'm certain that, uh, you know, given the fact that he hadn't scored in quite a while, uh, a big monkey off his back, hopefully uh, going forward, that will mean he's relaxed a little bit more. And then as the uh, uh, the, the teamwork with, with Dom comes forward, he'll be able to, you know, they'll have uh, better communication. And, of course, we're not talking about, you know, yelling at each other communication, just more knowing what is it your teammates going to be doing um, and and the uh, spacing that you're going to have uh, in different situations so that uh, they can complement each other rather than hinder, hinder each other. Yeah, well, uh, what's good that about the goal, obviously the first goal since since the DUI arrest and uh, the first goal in a while, but Kyle's a streaky guy like a lot of strikers, so hopefully seeing the ball go in will will make him hungry for more and, and give him the confidence to, to put the ball in the net more often. Uh, unfortunately, the goal didn't hold up. I think a lot of people thought that Orlando City sat back and didn't try to score anymore. I can tell you that all 11 men on the field would have liked to have scored more goals. <laughs> I don't think that they were parking the bus by any stretch of the imagination. I, I just think that they were having difficulty dealing with Montreal on that particular evening. And, you know, we've harped on the road game thing and how hard it is to win it. You know, people point at Montreal's record and say they you can't even beat a bad team on the road. But Montreal entered 5-3 and won at home. That's a good record at home. Um, you know, probably not as good as some, but, you know, still they're winning most of their home games like most teams around the league are. And it was a really big atmosphere, I thought, at Stad Saputo. I thought that the crowd was really loud, really into the game and, and – spurred their team on and of course you got to deal with Piatti for 90 minutes and that's never easy and Zamiley as well and those guys are, are are top notch I thought that uh early on we had some some struggles to keep up with Adoro but I thought that Donnie Toya did a nice job of adjusting and and kept Adoro quiet after about the first 30 minutes of the game um 
but Zamiley was a problem. Piatti was a problem, but I thought overall, um, you know, it was it was a much better effort from Jose Aja, although he's he's going to get the goat horns because he gave up the penalty, and I thought um, really really soft penalty. I mean, you can not even tell from the one camera angle if if contact was made, and certainly if it was, uh, Piatti knew what he was doing. He knew he knew where the leg was. He he. He picked up his legs and went down really easily. Like, you know, we've seen from guys like, uh, you know, Josie Altador this year. <laughs> and, and, you know, unfortunately, they get the they get the penalty. I, I thought for a second Joe was going to save it. Uh, he got the hand on it, but popped up in the air, and it just had the spin on it so that when it hit the bar, it spun in instead of out. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, it was 1-1 from that point on. It, was, it looked like it was going to be a tie game, and then – it looked to me like Jason wanted to go for the win. He thought, um, you know, he took out Higuita, which a lot of people lamented the fact that he put Luis Gill on. Uh, but the fact of the matter is Gill has more shots on goal than, than Higuita does. And he's generally a sound defensive player. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a ludicrous substitution. I know people would have liked to have seen uh, maybe Giles Barnes a little earlier or maybe Carlos Rivas a little earlier. Um I would like to see Rivas and, and Dwyer and Laren all together for you know a, a good length of time uh, on the field together. But uh, uh, I didn't think it was an outlandish substitution. Did it work out? No. Um, but I didn't think it was crazy. I didn't think that, uh, you know, I, I didn't automatically throw up my hands and say, oh, we're trying to lose the game, like so, so many people I've seen on, on social media. Um, you know, it's just not good, uh, good for coaches uh, – longevity to do things that he thinks are going to lose games so you know clearly he thought that it was the right move um but it was good to see that he was actually trying to make a defensive for more offensive player switch even if only slightly um you know at that point of a game on the road and unfortunately i I think that again aha is going to get a lot of a lot of grief for the the second goal that uh, Jackson ML scored, but he had pretty good position on Jackson ML. I just would like to know why we had three guys up the field on Zamiley and still couldn't stop the pass from getting through. Yeah. And so a couple things, um, you know, Jose uh, has been playing better of late. Um, like you said, he, he keeps getting called out on social media. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if it's causation or, or uh, it just, he happens to be in the wrong place, the wrong time, or or you what? I have a scapegoat, and nobody's blaming uh, anything on Specter. But I think Specter had a lot to do with that second goal. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, look, Specter's been out of place a couple. Look, don't get me wrong. Overall, Specter has played outstanding this season. But yeah, I mean, there's been times when he's he's been out of position, and he's been the one that's uh, been wrong. And and Jose has been playing better as of late. Uh, yeah, well, actually, really, honestly, he had that one bad bad game other than that he's been fairly solid and the man is you know he's putting in the effort so it's it's for me um you know coming from a very empirical standpoint it's it's hard to to fault him too much and and like you said piatti um knew exactly what he was doing and it wasn't the only time he did it during the game of dragging the foot and falling down i mean that's uh, during that game that was his signature move was was dragging the foot and falling down. So yeah. you know, uh, okay, he did it well and he got the call. Uh, 
there's only so much you can do about that. But it, it wasn't like it was um, – it was not a blatant foul in any regards. Uh, like you said, from the one angle, did he even hardly touch him? So uh, it's it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, if – if you're, if you're going to look for a, a scapegoat, um, it, you know, uh, sure, you can pick Jose or, you know, just uh, go for the, the whole team. I mean, you know, uh, I and this is not to say that I don't think that they want to wanted to win or that they weren't trying hard. It, this, uh, it may be a road thing. They seemed a little bit listless. I mean, after that first goal and they they certainly did not park the bus. Let's get that out of the way. They did not park the bus. No, they were uh, already kind of back on their heels before that. It wasn't like it before was before that. Yeah, it, it right. wasn't like a, a change in the style of play. They were they were they were struggling no. before the goal, made the goal out of nothing, and then it wasn't like you know that woke them it was, up. It, it, was, it was the other right, way around. It was, it, it was people to make connecting balls going forward. Yeah, so and you I know, mean, connecting I, passes I think, go forward. They weren't able to do that, and that that was the bigger problem. The entire match was was uh, was you know connecting uh, from the uh, the rear to the front and and getting balls forward so that the the strikers have a chance. That was throughout the game. It had you know we we did good on the one goal, and then uh, you know but like you said, it, it the style of play, the form, none of that changed. It was it was all very similar the entire time. Now, Montreal came out in a 4-3-3, which is not what they played the last time that we played them. And they, if you go back and look at the teams that gave Orlando City trouble this year, um, you know, Houston, obviously, uh, New York City FC at times has, has had a shooting gallery. Um, you know, the Sporting Kansas City game, these are teams that run the 4-3-3. And this is a shape that Orlando has struggled to deal with all season long. Not just even during the winning streak, they were giving up tons of shots, but still managing to win those games. Uh, it's I don't think that the shape that they're in is handling the 4-3-3 very well. I'm, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's because uh, what I noticed is Montreal got a lot of width and that gave them a lot of trouble. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Montreal used the entire the entire width of the field and it was very effective in in really wearing down Orlando city over, over time, but I don't know. It's is what it is. It's another loss and the team's got to get things turned around. It's not going to be any easier at Red Bull arena this weekend. So hit me with your man of the match, Dave. Uh, tough choice. Um, I've, yeah, I, as much as I would like to have given it to uh, Dom just for the hustle, um, I can't quite just because, um, he, you know, he one he wasn't out there the entire time, and two, um, you know, he's still he's still transitioning in, so I, I can't quite get ready to do that. Um, so I've got to go with Will Johnson um, just because steady performance, good passing, um, and and unlike Christian, he had some more, you know forward passing which was something i harped on in the uh in the five takeaways so uh it that it was a kind of a, a best of the worst type thing um yeah I, i've got to go with will yeah i kind of i struggled with whether or not to give it to will or whether to give it to scott sutter i thought scott sutter did a good job of playing both ends of the field um he did a pretty good job on that side, same side that piatti was attacking uh, most of the night, he did a really good job of helping 
Jose, and I thought there was some really good teamwork there. The, the penalty came off of a, a bad clearance. If you want to go back and watch that again, you'll see mm-hmm. Will, uh, you'll see uh, Spectre go to ground and kick the ball, and it went, goes off of a shin, and it just bounces to the one guy you don't want to get it. Yeah. And uh, he cuts into the box, and he's just very quick. And, you know, Jose tries to step out and, and get the ball. If you're just a split second late, that you know, and that leg's in there, you're going to get that call against you a lot of times. So, yeah. uh, unfortunate for Jose, uh, unfortunate for, for Specs and everybody involved. But, um, yeah, I thought Sutter had a really strong game. Will Johnson very quietly had a very strong game. Uh, he had a very vital clearance late. Uh, in the game where he made a, you know, he, he kept the game manageable by preventing a, just a golden scoring chance in the box with a, a great defensive play, a great tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, he almost lost the ball behind him when he did it, but <laughs> covered and found it first. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think he was at 92% passing. Uh, a lot of his passes were forward, trying to get the ball forward. And I don't mean these two two to five yard passes. I mean, he was actually sending the ball you know, 20 yards downfield and connecting a lot right. of the game. And, and then, you know, it's just, I think, some impatience on some guys' parts, but there was a lack of hold-up play to get guys involved because if, if Will Johnson's on his own half of the field and sends the ball 20 yards upfield, if you don't have numbers and you don't hold it up, you know, how's Will going to get come up and get involved in the play? Um, right. Christian, again, doesn't have doesn't have an offensive bone in his body. And, uh, you know, no Torino did get forward a couple of times, but um, – you know, you're, you're just not going to see that much offense out of him, and that's not his role with this team. And uh, and Kaká, you know, he's – I thought he was kind of absent on the night, to be honest. So, you know, when you get those nights when the captain's not on and they're on the road, it's going to look ugly, and it looked ugly. So uh, I think we're in an agreement that Will Johnson was our man of the match. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all yeah. you can say about that, really. Yeah, it really is, yeah. All right, Dave. So the uh, Orlando Pride came back from the Tournament of Nations, or at least uh, several players from the Orlando Pride came back. And um, their first order of business was to play a very tired, very depleted um, game against uh, Chicago Red Stars uh, just two days after their last, uh, the last Tournament of Nations games. Uh, luckily, some of the players hadn't uh, been involved in the games. Allie Krieger hadn't played, so she was fresh I'll be, I guess as fresh as you can be after a cross-country flight after being on the west coast for a couple of weeks so uh, you know there's some certain amount of jet lag there and that kind of thing uh Alex Morgan had played uh, I think about uh, 15 minutes or so in the final game uh but the the Australians were shattered they had played Brazilians had played the whole game um in fact Marta was beat up uh, she had a foot issue and um you know, they came out and uh, they got the first goal against the Red Stars. Never had led against the Red Stars before. And uh, then they just kept hitting the woodwork. They just, just lacked that last bit of sharpness. And they kept, I don't know how many times they hit the frame, but uh, uh, really had chances to put the game away. Unfortunately, they didn't. Sophia Huerta hit a goal of the week type shot um, in the second half to tie it. And again, Orlando uh, left hitting, rattling the cage. Uh, all through the second half and and not able to find that second goal. So they get a draw against Chicago Red Stars, uh, the first point ever against Chicago for this team, and probably not what they were looking for since Kristen Press didn't play. Um, But then they came back out against another team they had never beaten um, just last night in the Washington Spirit, and they 
they really dominated the game. As I said earlier, Marta was just phenomenal. Uh, Alex Morgan and, and uh, Marta have uh, started to, to find a chemistry together. They, they connected for the first goal. In fact, Alex was involved with all three goals. She had the give and go with Marta for Marta's goal. Uh, and then, of course, uh, she was the one bothering uh, goalkeeper Stephanie LeBay, who had to come out of her box to beat Alex to a ball over the top from Alana uh, Kennedy. And in doing so, she headed the ball away, but she headed it right to Camilla, who just one-timed it right back into the empty net uh, to make it 2 nothing. And uh, and then the third goal, uh, Catley with a great ball over the top, and Alex just smashed it home. So a uh, fantastic goal for her. So great night for Alex, great night for Marta. Camilla was fantastic. Uh, Chi Abogagu was very good. She got robbed of a goal on an offside call that wasn't offside. And... Um, uh, Aubrey Bledsoe gets uh, a clean sheet. And really, I've got to point out that the center backs played great. Ali Krieger played on the left side for a change, and Monica played at center back to give uh, Tony Presley a rest as uh, the, you know, the, the Pride have three games in uh, eight days. So uh, a good match all around. And uh, so four points out of six on this homestand so far with uh, Sky Blue coming up on Saturday. Uh, so I don't want to brush over... Um, uh, uh, the, the the goal um, um, from um, and I'm blanking sorry um, spit it out Dave yeah Camilla <laughs> <laughs> it was so like you said the ball was headed out but it wasn't just it, it wasn't just a, the ball was headed out and then she, and then she shot the goal she chipped it and chipped it beautifully uh, just I mean the as the goalie is just so the goalie is just sitting there, turning their head, turning their head, just watching it drop and go back into the goal. It was, it was pitch perfect. So um, I, I, I saw. I actually called my son into the room to watch the replay on it because it was so pretty. Um, all right, a couple things. So uh, against Red Stars, get the first point. That's awesome. Like you said, I mean, talk about a depleted team. Um, everybody's tired. Everything's going on. You know what? You take that point against somebody you've never gotten points before and just chalk it up to, Hey, everybody's tired the next game. And you and I had talked about this, um, you know, in the, in the forum that, um, that was one of the most fun pride games that we've seen all year. It was fantastic. They dominated that game. Uh, the, the score line, despite being what it is, doesn't reflect how much they dominated that game. Um, there were so many chances uh, that they had. Like I said, she um, so she wasn't offsides on the other one. She was offsides on a couple of the other ones later. But um, the pride were on the front foot the entire time that game. Um, the entire time it was it was a dominating performance and it's exactly the entire time I was watching it, it was exactly the type of thing that we've been talking about where once these players have gotten back and they've started, you know, Marta's had time with, uh, with Alex and, and, and they've all had time to start getting together and, and learning each other. It's the type of game that we kind of predicted that could potentially happen, that they can go play against anybody. So they go play against, you know, the Red Stars, and they pull 1-1, and that was on an entire team. Um, the next game, they go out against Washington, and they absolutely dominate. This is more what we've been looking towards since Marta got here. 
mm-hmm. and we knew that Alex was coming back. This this is the product on the field that I think you and I were both expecting, and I, I'm I won't make any stupid predictions that it's going to happen every week or anything like that. But if they can stay consistent, then they can get a lot of points going forward, and I think it can be um, the type of thing that allows them to get into the playoffs. Yeah, it was a great job by the entire team. That I mean, uh, Mallory Pugh was not a factor at all in the game. Uh, it was the other thing that I didn't mention against Chicago was not only was the you know some of the players that played were tired. Obviously, Marta had to come on for for Rachel Hill, who was injured and, and uh, injured her ankle in that game. But you had people playing all kinds of out of position. She was playing left back. Um, you saw Fields and, and, and Bogagoo at the fullback positions. It was kind of a crazy uh, lineup that we weren't used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to get a point uh, was probably not what they wanted, especially, you know, how many times they hit the post. But, um, you know, it's better than nothing. And, and certainly uh, it's something they could build on. I think they did build on it on Saturday or on uh, Tuesday with the, uh, with the three, nothing win. And, my biggest gripe with the Chi play that was uh, waved off for the offside was that Marta's play on that particular goal was deserving of a goal to stand because she made this amazing sort of over-the-ball, two-footed spin move mm-hmm. uh, to take the ball away from the you know Washington player, free herself, and then made this incredible cross-field switch that curved perfectly to land on on Chi's foot it was just an unbelievable play like you know something you might see two three times the entire year uh, it, it was just a really a thing of beauty it was like oh this the, the the flag ruined and incorrectly ruined what would have been one of the goals of the year well and and Marta was doing that all night she made people look silly she was making defenders look silly on some of the moves that she was making. This is, it was a, for if if you haven't been watching the Pride, go do it. It's one, it's just fun. I mean, we're talking about some of the best players in the world that are on this team between yeah, Alex and Ali and Marta and uh, uh, Camilla. Go watch it, and then watch Marta do to people what Messi does to people. Okay, I mean, it's there are. Things that that woman does on a pitch that are unbelievable, uh, and and if you're not watching, you are absolutely missing out. It is outstanding soccer with an outstanding player who is like, you know, five-time World Player of the Year. There is a reason for that, and it's that she goes out there for for the people who uh, on those occasions when Kaká has gone out and even at his advanced age made defenders look silly by just kind of sidestepping them and they just like it's almost like magic that's what marta does as well and um she was on form all night out there it was it was absolutely a pleasure to watch uh her performance that game and then um you know, and then everybody around her as well. So she set a club record. She had eight shots on uh, or eight shot attempts, which is a club record for a game. She had one moment where she was surrounded by four players 
and she made one head fake and a reverse move, and all four players were going all different directions, and all of a sudden she was in space. It was, it was yeah, she went really to the right. Amazing. Yeah, was it, yeah, it was yeah. Crazy, she head fake. She went to the right, and then she was free. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not kidding. With uh, listeners, please go watch because it's it's really it's excellent, excellent soccer. And if you're an actual soccer fan, not just a men's soccer, if you're a soccer fan, it is fun to watch. And Saturday is a good night to go, even even though the they're playing at the same time as the men's team. Uh, it's a good night to go because uh, you might not see a hotter player in the world right now than Sam Kerr of Sky Blue FC, and she's coming into uh, Orlando City Stadium, uh, the Australian international striker. She's just been phenomenal all year. She's probably going to be NWSL MVP, and uh, she's just scary. And yeah. uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how you know Ali Krieger, Steph Catley, and and uh, everybody, uh, you know, defends her uh, this weekend because she is the key to that team. You got to shut her down to beat Sky Blue, and it's not easy. So, uh, good job for Tom Sermani. Uh, he made uh, a really uh, a good um, adjustment at the at the half. He, you know, he noticed all the offside calls and the fact that the the high line was a problem for the for the Pride. So he just said, you know, hey, the first first person uh, furthest up the field don't make that run loop back and the second person make that run and that's exactly how this, the first goal was scored uh as uh, morgan came back uh and uh, took the pass from marta and then gave it right back to her and she just buzzed past the last defender and was in one-on-one so it was it was a really good adjustment and um you know you like to to see that uh you know happening during a game when the team notices what's going on and they make that adjustment and they are able to, to parlay that into a goal. And that was, it was a good, it was a good bit of coaching and a good bit of uh, execution. So good. Well done pride. They're going to try to make this seven points out of nine on the homestand against sky blue on Saturday. And hopefully they'll be able to do that. Dave, we got a, an OCB game uh, that we have to talk about too. Uh, the Young Lions went up to Cincinnati, very difficult place to play. They actually won there earlier this year, and it looked for all the world like they were going to do it again against the uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinalist FC Cincinnati. Uh, they've had a really good run of form, and, uh, and part of that run of form was a 1-1 draw in Orlando City Stadium, and uh, Orlando City B went up there and uh, got themselves uh, – you know, behind, but they, they ended up taking a two, one lead and, um, into stoppage time before Orlando or FC Cincinnati got kind of a lucky bounce off Leo Pereira's head. It just kind of bounced perfectly for the, uh, the oncoming attacker who just, uh, uh, hit it before Earl Edwards Jr. could react. And, 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 uh, it was a two, two draw. So Orlando city B getting a one win, no losses, two draws out of three games against a, a very good FC Cincinnati side, uh, winning and drawing at Cincinnati. And, and that was in front of uh, a USL record crowd of over 25,000. Uh, so uh, well done to Anthony Pulis. Again, it's another draw. It's six in a row, which is, by the way, is a, <laughs> a USL record. record yes. Yep. Um, but it's seven games unbeaten. So the longer you can keep it unbeaten, it's, you know, you you want that. You want to go on the road and get draws and get wins at home. They haven't been really doing that because they've been drawing everywhere. But, um, you know, it's... It's really a, a sign of a, a team that's got something going on when they can uh, go to a place like Cincinnati, a very tough place to play, and and, and do that well. In fact, um, 
you know, the team hadn't scored in two games. So scoring two goals against a good Cincinnati defense was uh, a step in the right direction. I will take a draw every day of the week if it's a point on the road. Every single time, no problem. Six in a row for a record, good. I'll take it. Um, and here's why, because uh, somebody – oh, right, it was me. wrote an article uh, not too long ago about uh, about Ant Poulos and, and what he's trying to do with OSB. And, of course, what it is, it's, it's a development squad. Um, secondary to that is winning games. Um, and guess what? They're – they haven't lost a game in seven games. So, you know what? Awesome. I'm really happy. They've got one win. They've got six draws. Who cares? Who cares? If the players are uh, – he's obviously doing something right. They're they're on the road. They're at home. Wherever, they are getting results. Getting results matters. And it's happening. So, um, I'm – you know, and a lot of those were uh, were, were without uh, De Silva. Well, three of three of those games were without Pierre. Um, most of them were without Richie Larea, uh, who's been with the first team. Uh, of course, uh, several of those were on the road, and again, a lot of those were against teams that were high in the standings. So, um, you know, a lot of adversity in there. And uh, the team just battles and battles. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate they give up two goals because they have been so, so strong defensively. Uh, but Cincinnati is a really, really good team. Um, and they were, they're, they've shown how resilient they are in this U.S. Open Cup run, which as, we, as you and I talk and record this, uh, they're getting ready to play a semifinal game if they're not already underway. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a shame that, that it was just a bad bounce, really. Leo Pereira got his head on the ball uh, nine times out of ten. That's not going to fall where it did. And uh, the only place that it could fall and hurt the team is where it fell. So it was a little bit unfortunate. It was just a long ball, uh, a hopeful over-the-top ball that just happened to come off the defender just exactly the wrong way. And, uh, you know, the team was just a couple of moments away of stoppage time away from uh, a big road win. So uh, they'll get it. You know, it was nice to see them putting some balls in the net because they haven't been doing that lately. Uh, and that's really the only reason they've been drawing games is because they've struggled to score. But the the fact that they got a couple of goals, first one for Austin Martz, by the way, congratulations to Austin. Yep. And uh, the second one was Haji Berry, who has kind of struggled of late. So it's good to see Haji put the ball in the net as well. Uh, so uh, hopefully that'll get those guys going. They are going to play at Richmond this weekend, Saturday night, of course, because all three teams are going to be playing at the same time again this week. Of course. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then after that, they're going to come home and play Ottawa next week. And, um, and then they'll go to Charlotte, which I think Charlotte is now taking over for Charleston at the top of the Eastern Conference standing. So uh, that'll be another tough road test for them. So uh, go Young Lions. We're going to turn our attention now to Orlando City, and uh, they're going to be playing the New York Red Bulls. A little bit different look for the Red Bulls this year than we've seen in the past. Obviously, no Dax McCarty, who's off to Chicago, and I don't think that's any um, coincidence that the Chicago Fire are off to a great start. Um, And, uh, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips and Sasha Kleschen are still there. Very formidable team. Uh, They may be without Daniel Royer, who was hurt in the New York Derby this last weekend, and uh, they will be without Sal Zizo, who was sent off in that game as well. So uh, it will be, they'll be missing a couple of pieces, but the, the, uh, the, the Red Bulls have been playing very, very good soccer of late. So um, it, it will be very difficult. So we're going to uh, bring in our guest and talk about that game. We'll do that right after this. 
All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us Jason Iapico. He is the host of Red Bull Rant, a podcast about the New York Red Bulls, obviously. Jason, how are you doing? I am very good. How are you guys? Peachy. I'm, uh, I've got this summer cold <laughs> thing going on, and I can't, I can't even hardly talk, but trying to make it work. Taking one for the team tonight. Um, Jason, I wanted to first, uh, you know, we haven't seen the Red Bulls in a long time it's been early in the season when uh, when the red bulls came into orlando city stadium and, and it was a one nil win for orlando uh but uh, it was a very very sluggish start for the red bulls but the you know aside from the the new york derby this past weekend when basically it's just david via against the world um you know the red bulls have really turned things around and you know what has has transpired uh, there to uh, to make that happen this year. Uh, so first, let me say about the NYCFC game. It was Salzizo. That guy does not deserve to be on the field for Rebels anymore. Um, <laughs> well, he won't be anyway. on Saturday. <laughs> True, he won't, and that's probably a good thing. Because uh, if I my memory serves correctly, I think he was the reason you guys scored against us when we visited you guys. So I mean, <laughs> again, he he's not going to be there. Um, the change in how the Rebels are performing, I think, is kind of two things. One, you had the Open Cup um, run, which, as unimpressive as it was at the beginning, I think helped to stabilize the team a little bit because it, was, it wasn't an MLS game. Uh, honestly, most of the fans of the Red Bulls don't really care about Open Cup. So as much as the players would say that they care, I'm pretty sure they're not feeling the pressure as much as it is. Um, and... The big, the bigger thing has been a change in formation. Um, the Red Bulls beginning of the year ran a four-two-three-one, or kind of fluid. It could be like a four-five-one or whatever you want to call it. Like the Red, the Red Bulls are pretty fluid in their formation. So whatever they say they're coming out with is not always going to be that way. What how it looks on the field. But most recently, they've been lining up in. Something of like a five three two or a three 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 one. Uh, ESPN had it as the 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 latter on their broadcast. And I know um, the Red Bulls at one point on their site had one of the games. It was a five one one or something like that. I can't remember. But basically, it depends on who you ask and how the formation looks. But the purpose of what Marsh has done is he's moved or he's moved midfielders back into uh, what people would know as wingbacks, but they don't really play a lot of defense. It's kind of a misnomer. So they technically line up in the back, but they are very, um, they're given a lot of, uh, flexibility in terms of how they move forward. So you'll see, uh, I think last week it was Salzizo and I want to say Kamar Lawrence. So I'm not sure if that was correct. Uh, but they were, they were your wing backs and then you pretty much were playing two, three center backs in the middle. So when the team is pressing, as they want to do because that is their style, then most likely you'll see three guys in the back uh, to protect against any counterattacks. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see when those center backs move up, especially on corner kicks and stuff, because that's everybody does that now. <clears throat> but for the most part, uh, they started to let one more guy sit back, and I think it's kind of opened the field up because the Red Bulls like to stay central as much as they play on the wings, and having an extra guy in there, of course, takes space away from movement and stuff like that. So having that guy stay back, I think, has opened up some holes. <clears throat> and more importantly, it's allowed both Sean Davis and um, 
Wow. I, uh, Tyler Adams. I don't know why I blanked on that for a second. <laughs> but I allowed both of them to be on the field at the same time. And at the beginning of the season, Sean Davis was supposed to be the guy to replace uh, Dax McCarty. Yeah. Didn't seem to work out too well. Then Tyler Adams was supposed to be the guy. And that was fine until he left for national duty. And then Davis came in and looked good. And then it became a, a question of, well, which one do you sit? And apparently Marsh has learned that you don't sit either. And you've changed the formation to make sure both guys are on the field. And the fact that both guys are on the field at the same time, I think, has played a, a lot more because they both were run for days. Um, they're both decent enough, at least, with the ball at their feet and can make things happen. And we're starting to get a little bit of the mojo back from uh, the last two years where we can finally start moving the ball around, creating problems in the offensive third and getting chances for Ray Phillips. And as you've seen, I think he's on like a, a six-game goal-scoring uh, goal streak at this point. Getting packed to, I want to say, the open cup match against New England, maybe the the week before the MLS play. But I mean, he's just on fire, mainly because this team has opened up and finally moving the ball around. Well, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Of course, Orlando City has been uh, fairly defensive minded, unfortunately, from our perspective, um, and has absorbed a ton of pressure. Uh, you, you mentioned Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, what else does New York City bring to the attack that uh, Orlando fans should be looking for? Uh, New York City is not playing this game, so hopefully not much. Um, My apologies. You know what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> that was a big faux pas, dude. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm from I'm from Baltimore originally. Everything up there is freaking city to me. Well, I live down in Maryland right now, so. There oh, you go. okay. There you go. Um, the the big thing, and I don't know if he's going to play, is Danny Royer. He unfortunately suffered an injury at where he hyperextended his knee, um, at, I think in like the first 10 minutes of the NYC game. <clears throat> and it was pretty bad. Like when you see the video of it, he's just on the ground yelling. And I'm pretty sure there's no mic anywhere near him, and the camera's picking it up clear as day. And thankfully, everything came back that nothing was broken, nothing was torn. So. Um, I don't know if he'll be available for this game. I think he's still day-to-day. But if he is, he's kind of what the Red Bulls had expected um, Gonzalo Verón to be, like basically a second striker next to Ray Phillips, allowing Ray Phillips to stay more uh, central towards the top of the six-yard box and Royer to be the kind of guy that can hold the ball up, can make the deep runs, and let Ray Phillips find space. Um and even when, but it's strange though, because when Royer came out, the Red Bulls were still managing to do that against NYC. Um, but with Royer on the field, it's just been insane. I think we went like four games in a row where we scored three plus goals, and three of those were legit all from run of play. Um, and Royer, until the NYC game, has was on like this streak of I think three or four games, and two of them in a row where he scored a brace. So, unfortunately, I think this is going to be a big hit for the Red Bulls this week. But I'm hoping that since we're at home and we're a very good home team, we're 7-2-2, two, and two, that we'll be able to not have to necessarily worry about him being in the lineup. Now, you know, the first thing that I thought when, when Dax was traded was, why didn't you guys trade him to us? The second thing I thought was, <laughs> why would you trade him at all? Um and, and it seemed like it was a really bad idea uh, early in the season. But, of course, you know, now that the results are better, it doesn't 
quite look as bad. But um, what it seems to me to look like is that Jesse Marsh has has, uh, has had um, Sasha Kleshton deeper this year, and it took him sort of a little bit of a, uh, time to find his groove in that like deeper dropping position. But it looks like he's coming along there. Um, what are you seeing from Sasha? Uh, I don't think he's actually playing that deep right now. I mean, I think the, well, with the, the, with the, with the formation change, he may not be as deep as he was, but he, he was playing deeper earlier in the season. It seemed like, yeah. And I think, and that wasn't the plan, but I think it became a necessity because they were having trouble playing the ball out of the back. Like the Red Bulls don't really rely on lawn balls too much. Um, when, when they have to play out of their own end. Mm-hmm. So when the defense isn't getting the ball upfield, you're going to drift back to help them out. And I, I've, I said this on the, my podcast before, if you looked early in the year, you saw Ray Phillips in his own half trying to start plays for the offense. Like that's not something that a forward should be doing, let alone somebody who's technically a, like a, like a target striker. He's, he shouldn't be back there trying to start something. Mm-hmm. Um, the formation changes really helped Kleshin get out of that hole that he was in, and kind of literally, I guess, since he was back so far, um, get out of that, that hole of midfield and allow him to start creating again. And uh, I think he's had like four or five assists in the last like six weeks. So, I mean, it's like everything that the Red Bulls wanted to be, like for some reason until the formations change, they just weren't doing, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we can actually do these things again. Imagine that. And now we're starting to see the results of, that we expect. Granted, it's been mostly against lower um, competition, uh, New England, Montreal, um, Minnesota. So they're not the, – the NYC game was going to be a big test, and unfortunately we kind of failed it. But I think it's not a complete failure because we show that we can still play. And I think you guys will be a good test for us this weekend because even though you, I know you're right below the line and you, your record doesn't look good, but you guys are a tough team, especially with Dom Dwyer. So I imagine it's going to be a little more of a challenge for us. Well, if you score two goals, you're probably okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's probably true. Well, but I'm glad you brought up Dom. I was actually going to be my question. It's a great segue. Um, uh, you know, obviously Orlando City did. I had Dom. Um, he will have actually had some time just with the team going into uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, uh, what impact do you think that will have? And and do you think that there's any game playing uh, game planning for uh, the Dom Kyle uh, pairing? I imagine there's got to be some game plan. I mean, like any opponent you go into, you're going to game plan a little bit for that opponent. You're never just going to go and say, here's our strategy and we're going to follow it exactly how we did last time. Cause it doesn't make sense going from team to team. Um, I, I feel like the mantra and this, I feel like this has been it for a few years is that the Red Bulls won't game plan like make wholesale changes to their game plan going from week to week. They might change little things like who's marking who or how this person's going to move the field, but it's not going to be wholesale changes. Like, for example, and I use this because we just played them, NYCSC likes to play out of the back. When they played us, especially on their postage stamp of a field, they decided they're going to lawn ball it, and it worked for a little bit. And the Red Bulls got wise to what they were doing and for the most part stopped it, but the Red Bulls don't do that kind of a thing where they change their identity based on the opponent. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of 
scheme planning, but I think there'll be maybe like one of the wingbacks will stay, won't creep up as much, or they won't have a center back go press as high. Maybe the line stays back a little bit farther. Like there might be slight little changes that wouldn't necessarily be obvious unless you've watched this team a lot. But I think it's going to be those kind of things is they'll just make small little tweaks to the game to what they usually do to try to account for that threat that you guys now have. Jason, how's our old friend Aurelian Collin doing? What's going on with him? You know, that's a good question. I don't even I don't even remember he played against NYCFC. <laughs> He's been <laughs> kind of quiet. I know he had um for the most part our center backs have been kind of injury ridden this year, so um he was kind of in and out of the lineup and yeah, he didn't even play against NYC. I think he's still he wasn't even on the bench, so I'm pretty sure he's still injured. Um when he was here when he was playing though, he's his usual self where he tries to get in everybody's way, but and and I know when we got him the impression was that he gets a lot of cards, but he really doesn't, surprisingly. Um so when he's here, he's his usual self, but unfortunately he's not here, so you you probably won't see him come uh, come Saturday. <laughs> well, may not be getting cards for you. I, I seem to remember getting uh, some for us, though. So, uh... Oh no, he gets car- he got cards for us, but I just don't think it's the the quantity that people thought it was. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I got gotcha. uh, uh, Well, you, you you talked about uh, NYC's uh, uh, post uh, uh, or uh, stamp of a uh, uh, of a field. Um, what about uh, Red Bulls Arena? Um, what advantages uh, do you think that that uh, gives you guys as the home team? Uh, from the size of the field, nothing really, because it's kind of a standard size. Like, there's not in that particular aspect. There's nothing out of the ordinary. Um, I think, and this is going to sound strange. I think it's in how the stadium was built. Um, I don't know if any, if you, either of you have been there, but that stadium. I don't know how I did it, but that stadium. Uh, so the second deck, or the the gap between the first and second deck, there actually is a gap where you can see out into Harrison slash Newark. So this is not like an enclosed arena all the way around. But somehow all the noise that supporters generate stays in the arena. And almost like it's focused on the field. Hmm. There, there's some there's something acoustically that happens in this team. I don't know how they managed it. Where everything just still get, just stays in that arena and stays on the field. And I think that is really the advantage for the Red Bulls is that, and and you and I say this that you guys had this impressive wall. We don't have it in terms of people. We don't have the, the thing like you do. But I'm not, and I, I say this not trying to put supporters down on any team. Just want to make that clear. But our <laughs> supporters are insane when it comes to cheering team on. Like, yes, there are times where they'll you know, get on them for not playing well, but if they're there in, in full support, like it's just a sight kind of sight to behold that a uh, group that doesn't look that big can generate that much noise. Hmm. Yeah. We have a, uh, we have a similar, uh, I guess, advantage uh, in Orlando with the, the, the noise staying in the stadium is very, very loud. And uh, it certainly can be an intimidating place before we let you go, Jason, I want to get your, what you think is the key matchup for this Saturday's game and, and what you might, uh, what you think the final score might look like? Um, 
You know, it's, I, I haven't really thought about key matchups because that's generally not something I think about. So it's kind of funny that you asked that question. Um, I think the big thing is going to be Wright Phillips versus your defensive line. And I say the whole line because it's going to be a matter of the space that he's allowed to occupy. Um, he doesn't really need a lot. He just needs to be in the right spot. Um, the goal he scored against NYFC in the first half, if you look at it, the ball was coming from his perspective, was coming from his right-hand side. And he was facing the ball as it was coming to him. So he's, and he, so he makes a 90-degree turn, kicks the ball with his left foot, and manages to do it with his foot open. So he's using the inside of his foot and directs it past Johnson. Like, There's not a lot of guys that can do that, just... Real quickly, turn turn on a dime and use the inside of their foot the way he did. And so I think it's going to be a, a matchup of how much room does Orlando City give him and, more importantly, where. Because if you guys can somehow keep him away from the middle of the box, then he's going to be less effective. He's not going to be able – he may get chances, but he's not going to have great chances. That's what he needs to be kind of – like – the width of the goal, like if he's in that area, he's kind of deadly. But if he's past, the, his efficiency drops as he moves out wider. So if you guys can force him wider, I think then you have a better chance of stopping him from scoring. Uh, in terms of well, scoreline, which you asked, mm-hmm. um, I think the Red Bulls are going to kind of take the frustration from NYCFC and unfortunately take it out on you guys. I don't think it's going to be like a bloodbath, but I don't think it's going to look that great for you guys either. Um, I'd probably say three one, which is kind of deceiving scoreline. Like three one, I would originally think it's like two one, and we get a garbage time goal. But I would, I'm, I just have this feeling that they're going to come out like super pissed and not necessarily put three up right away, but just put three up in a span that would say, yeah, it was just domination, like a complete game victory, kind of thing. All right, well, uh, Jason Iapico. Host of the Red Bull Rant. Uh, we will see what happens on Saturday. We thank you so much for uh, stopping by and, and chatting with us tonight. And, uh, you know, we will look forward to seeing you somewhere down the line. Yep. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, episode number 98 of the Mainland Podcast. Starting to wind its way toward the finish line here. Dave Rowe. I uh, want to thank Jason Iapico from Red Bull Rant Podcast for being with us. And, um, you know, one of the things that we needed to talk about tonight was uh, Jonathan Spector. He uh, he left training today, as we record this on Wednesday, uh, with a knee injury. Uh, it's not really known right now how that's going to shake out, how severe it is. Hopefully it won't be severe at all. But that obviously is not great news for Orlando City, which uh, may be without the services of the uh, top defender this weekend against uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, who I think, I might be wrong, I think he might have scored every single time we've played at Red Bull Arena. I could be wrong on that, but if he hasn't, he's certainly scored in most of them. Um, So that's not good. Uh, what do we, you know, obviously we're going to probably be looking at an AHA Redding pairing. The last time we saw that, I think, was the Houston game, which was full. Uh, that's not good. No, that's not good. So, and I'm not saying it was because of that pairing. There were a lot of factors in that game in Houston. It was the 
second game on the road in the, just a span of a few days uh, where the team did not come home. The team has done that twice this year, and they've lost 4-0 in the second game in both of those instances um, at Chicago and at Houston. Um, and, you know, a few other – there there were a few other um, roster uh, rotations in that Houston game as well that probably contributed a bit. But, um, you know, Redding hasn't played in a bit, and Aha is probably not in his best form, although he has been better of late, I think. Uh, it will be interesting to see everybody uh, come together and, uh, and, and uh, you know, sort of try to pull together in the, in the absence of Jonathan Spector on Saturday, if that's the case. We don't know yet at this time what the severity is. We know that there's been, um, you know, a report that he's been, uh, he's gone through some tests with the team, but he's still got to, you know, go and uh, get checked out, get a scan and all that stuff. So uh, as we... Speak, we don't know what the severity is, and hopefully it won't be too bad. But if it is, uh, Jason Christ has to go to plan B. Uh, Dave, why don't we get to our Ask the Mainland podcast questions. Um, I have one question on our end. I know you have a question on your end, so why don't you go first? All right. So our friend uh, Mark Johnson, who you know and love, asks, uh, do you think the addition of Yoshi and Dom will be enough to get the Lions to the playoffs? Maybe. Uh, I know that's a wishy-washy answer, but I don't honestly know what this is going to look like um, in terms of, you know, having never really seen Yoshi play. I think that this team wasn't really lacking that much. Um, You know, I know a lot of people are down because it's been a long couple of months without many wins in there, but I don't think the team has been very far off. So it really depends on can they get together and, and gel in a quick period of time. That really is what it comes down to whenever you bring in a new player that's um, supposed to elevate the team is can they come in like a Nicholas Ladero uh, or, uh, you know, a, a Giovinco, or do they come in like a Frank Lampard and take a while to get going or a Steven Gerrard? It's, it's always a, it's always a question. You never know what's going to happen. So, Hopefully Yoshi will come in and, and it won't take long for them to gel. I think Dom is starting to find his footing, but it's still going to take another uh, week or two before, you know, that starts to really come together. And it, it, like I said, we're only a couple points out of that last playoff spot. So is it enough? It can be, but it's certainly not uh, a given. But I think the yeah. team, I think the team has to be commended for going out and getting two DP level players in the middle of the season. Absolutely. And you're right. It's 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 unfortunately too early to tell. Uh, We mentioned earlier Dom's only been around for, in reality, a couple of days of training here and there because of the MLS uh, all star break and 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 when he came aboard. So there's only been so much training. Then, of course, Yoshi has been here even less time than that. So um, do do I think that uh, both the players are are able to. uh, give the lines a boost and, and, and potentially a boost over the line. Yeah, of course. Um, but we, uh, you know, I think we know more what we have on the field with Dom than we do with Yoshi just because of uh, his work in the MLS. Um, it'll be, I, I'm very, as I mentioned earlier, very, very interested to see 
uh, one, where Yoshi slots in, and then two, what he's able to do with the ball. So, I mean, it, it's there's still a lot of questions to be uh, answered in regards to all that. Uh, you know, the the like you said, the 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 answer right now is I don't know, maybe. And the the good answer is, well, sure, of course they could. So uh, it, it's a it's a wait and see game right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it. It just really all depends. I mean, I, you, we don't know what they're going to look like together, but um, you know, we'll we'll find that out over the next several weeks. And you know, these next two games are, are crucial. The New York Red Bulls and, and Columbus Crew are you know are, are games coming up that that this team needs to get results out of, and especially the, the game against Columbus at home that needs to be a win. And if they can get anything out of the Red Bulls on the road, that's that's a bonus. So. These are, are critical games. I know that there are, is not a great schedule remaining for this team, so they really have to put it together and they have to put it together quick. But realistically, if you look at the grouping of the Eastern Conference, if you win three games in a row at some point, you're going to be right in this thing. So it's it's mm-hmm. not um, you know it's not gotten away from them, despite the fact that they've only won two games since. Well, May. let's remember the the end of the end of last year. I mean, they went on a, a, a five uh, five game winning streak. Um, yeah, 2015. You know, I mean, they. Yeah. Well, excuse me, 2015. I mean, you know, so I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, the streaks happen. So yeah. You know, so I mean, the, the main thing the main thing now is to stay in touch with that line as close as they can, and and then let things come together and hopefully. Uh, like I said, you can put a run of results together. It doesn't even need to be a long run of results, and you can jump two or three teams pretty quick. So, um, you know, hopefully, Mark, they'll be able to do that. So I think certainly the team has done its job in going out and, and trying to address multiple positions, which is not easy to do in the summer window. So, um, you know, good job by Nikki Budalich, and hopefully it all works out. Uh, we have a question from Logan Jurgens on Twitter wants to know with Spectre's injury, which we just talked about, who replaces him on the roster? What formation do you feel best fits our current squad? Why don't you start with the uh, obvious one first, uh, Mr. Rowe? Well, obviously, um, you know, like you said just a minute ago, um, you know, we bring in Tommy. Uh, so we have Ready and Aha in the middle and, and, and that's what we go with. Um, uh, whether they're more effective, uh, uh, they're not going to be as effective as if uh, Spectre is on the field. But, um, you know, Tommy has had uh, excellent play throughout the year. And Ah, as we mentioned earlier, um, has not played as bad as everybody thinks he has. Mm. Um, so, you know, uh, the communication will not be there as good as it is when Specs is out there. But, um, you know, that's to be expected anytime you have somebody that's not uh, not the starter. Um, but Tommy has a lot of talent. Uh, Jose has, has played better as of late, as we said. So, um, you know what, you got to play with the players you have. And so, um, there you go. As far as form or shape, uh, I don't think it changes up anything. I think they're plugging in one for the other and, uh, they go forward from there. Yeah. Now I, I definitely think we'll see Redding, Redding and Aha. Uh, even Leo's had some good games. So, you know, if he needs to make a spot. Um, start or whatever he can he can play he's shown that he's had some ability back there but yeah you're going to miss the anticipation with Spectre out because Spectre sees things kind of happening before they happen and that's that's very difficult uh, for a young player to to get but uh, you know even Spectre has had his issues at times for this defense this year but you know no because 
mean, let's face it, no player is foolproof. You, you see, um, you know, the people in Montreal have talked about Laurent Simon to me and talked about how he's he's either really, really bad or really, really good. And there have been times when he looks like the best defender in the entire league and then times when he doesn't look very good at all. So, um, you, you know, it's just part and parcel of, of a team. Um, Montreal has not had a good season, so one of their better defenders has sometimes looked good and sometimes looked bad. Same thing with, with Orlando City. Sometimes... Uh, Jonathan Spector has very good games. Other times he doesn't have that good a game. So, um, you know, it's going to be Redding and Aha, and hopefully those guys will get in and get the job done. Uh, what formation best fits our current squad? Hmm. It's a good question, and I think with the additions that the team has made, I really think they could play a 4-3-3 with, um, you know, Kaká would be playing... Uh, in the midfield between a couple of more defensive minded uh, midfielders, probably Will Johnson on the right and Yoshi on the left. And, uh, and then uh, Dom and Kyle and Carlos Rivas up at the top. I think a four, three, three is a, is a, is a good uh, formation that, that fits the personnel. Now I also think this team could play three in the back with specters healthy and, uh, and sort of play that three, five, two, with uh, Sutter and uh, either PC or Toya on the left side uh, moving up and, uh, you know, providing width and getting forward. Uh, probably PC more because he's quicker, so he would be able to track back and get back on defense uh, in transition a little better. Um, but I think that's a, a that's certainly a uh, formation that the team has the personnel to use. Now, it really all comes down to what is Jason Christ comfortable with in terms of of coaching and you know he's he has been a diamond 442 guy in the past uh, he's run some flat 442 as well he's experimented a little bit with a 433 so we might see that come back and um, you know I, I just think that this I think there's a, a, a good personnel group for several different positions uh, but I think if you have to ask what the best fit is for the current squad it's it's what the coach is comfortable with running and that's got to be the 442 at this point um because you don't want him you know if he's if he's not comfortable 100 percent with any of the other formations then it's going to come through in the preparation and that's going to be a problem on game day so uh i say probably for now for this season the 442 is the best formation uh yeah agreed and and like you said i mean it, whereas the four four three three might be um from our perspective ideal for the um the personnel that we have uh if if the coach is not comfortable with that and or if 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 he's not comfortable with that with the um you know subs that he has et cetera then it, it might not work so uh you know not only that but uh, when you when you change form like that um you know the rest of the players are gonna have to make uh adjustments and and at this point in the season maybe that's not ideal either so um that yeah there's there's and of course when we talk about formations i mean formations are fluid i mean you know we say a 433 or a 442 and a 442 diamond or a 442 flat and you know it, it fluctuates during right. the game you, so you yeah, play yeah. It forward one way and backward another way it's, it's... exactly so i mean there, there's so much there's so much you know uh that's malleable and all of that, that it's, you know, it's kind of laughable that we, we put the labels to it, but you know, um, it still, it does help us, you know, at the onset of each uh, match kind of give an idea who, 
you know who is where. Uh, but I agree. With you. I, I don't. I don't expect uh, Jason to change anything at this point, um, especially since he doesn't know. You know, well, one with specs out, and 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 two not knowing what what's going on with Yoshi yet. So uh, there's just too many questions to change up things right now. I agree, and it's it's you know it's. Those are the kinds of things that if you do that in training camp, you put in what you want to run and, and you kind of expect that it's, it takes time to, for that stuff to come together. So if you change in the middle of the season, it could, it could certainly uh, be make things worse before they get better anyway. Um, Dave, let's get our uh, key matchups and um, scoreline predictions for Saturday before we get on out of here and uh, save what's left of my voice. Uh, so what do you see? What do you see happening on Saturday night? What's your key matchup? What's the score? All right. Be? All right. So uh, key matchup. Um, it, pretty much all season, I've gone either uh, defense or offense, and this time I'm going midfield. Um, and that's because that's where our breakdowns have been. It's been in the midfield. So um, it, whether Yoshi comes on and is able to do something, or if Kaka has a good game, it, it, that's where that's where this game is won or lost whether we're able to make those connections in the midfield get the ball forward um uh so that we have uh dom and kyle being able to to have some chances um that being said um new york is coming off a uh a derby loss to nyc they're going to be upset um i'm not saying that our guys aren't going to be upset after loss to montreal but it's not quite a derby loss um I'm unfortunately going to say we continue to slide a 2-1 loss to Red Bulls uh, away, which, you know, we've mentioned how notoriously hard it is to win away. Um, I, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, a 2-1, 2-1 loss and the midfield is where it is won or lost. All right. Uh, I will say uh, Bradley Wright Phillips against the young defensive pairing. Uh, it's going to be my key matchup. Can they keep him uh, quiet? I don't know. Uh, uh, certainly the midfield keeping Clash and uh, closed off and not and choking off that service to Bradley Wright Phillips is huge. Uh, that high press is very very difficult to deal with. These young defenders are going to have to try to play out of the back against the that high press and it's just not been good in the past. So there's no reason to think it's going to be any better now. And uh, Bradley Wright Phillips is is tops in this league. He is one of the, the best strikers and he's uh, proven time and time again against this team against Orlando city that, you know, he is, he's come back to bite them many times and question has provided service on many of those. So um, I'm not real optimistic going into this. I do think that it's going to take a couple more games before things get sorted out. Red Bull's just too strong at home. Uh, I see this as three, one to the hosts and I really hate to say that because I really hate losing to those guys. I really don't like yeah. Sasha Klushin. Ever since that that simulation that got Kyle Lair in a red card a couple of years ago, I've really been uh, very down on him uh, in terms of not liking him. But um, yeah, I just don't see with especially with if Spectre can't go. If Spectre can play, I'm I'm gonna temper that to a two-one. But if Spectre can't go, I see this as being three-one. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to be positive with the two one. You know. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with being positive. I'm just trying to. I'm just saying what's in my gut, which is what I usually do. So. Um, and we've been and we've been wrong a lot. Well, sometimes my gut is an idiot, as I like to say. Uh, but I think <laughs> we've, last we've think, been wrong a whole lot. I think I got it right last week, unfortunately, uh, with the Montreal game. Yeah, you did. You did. You um, did. 
I was thinking when it was 2-1, I was thinking, yeah, cool, no way it ends this way because I predicted it, and then it ended that way, and I was like, oh, come on, of all the times to be right. Well, hopefully you're not right again this week. Uh, hopefully not. Oh, hell, hopefully I'm not right again. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, I want to thank again Jason Iapico from the Red Bull Rant, the host of that podcast, for being with us this week. Uh, I want to thank those who wrote in with their questions for Ask the Mainland Podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter, at the Mainland is our Twitter account. You can uh, just hit us up with hashtag AskTMLPC uh, to get your questions into us, or you can uh, send them to us via email at... Uh, you can email us at themainland at gmail.com. That's how you can reach us via email. So uh, you can send us your questions two ways. And you can ask us literally anything. So please uh, get those questions in uh, before next week. Um, please read our stuff, themainland.com. And uh, also uh, like us on Facebook and all that fun stuff. And uh, please give us a star rating on uh, on. Uh, iTunes. In fact, we're going to start reading some of the... If we get five-star readings from people, we're going to start reading them on the air. Um, I, did, I did go back and look, and we've... we've it, it had been a while since the last time I looked, and we have gotten some more uh, some more good good ratings on iTunes, so that's good. So if you if you leave us a five-star rating and, and some comments, we'll read that on the air. Um, from a personal standpoint, before we sign off on this uh, episode number... 98 of the mainland podcast i want to wish the best of luck to austin david who has been on this not in recent months but he uh, previously has hosted and co-hosted this podcast with me um austin has gotten a job with the team with orlando city sc and he is uh working on their multimedia stuff he's uh he's going to be doing some video stuff some some stand-ups some um uh, play by play and stuff like that and, and doing a lot of stuff for their website. So we're very happy uh, that uh, Austin got a good gig. Uh, Parlay. say his... other, other than missing him, we're really, really happy for him. <laughs> yeah. He, it's very bittersweet. We're, we're missing him on our end, but we know that Orlando city is getting a good one and uh, we appreciate all of his efforts. Uh, he was the fifth guy I ever hired at the mainland. And um, you know, he, he gave us over 300 posts on the website, uh, both when we were back in a little piddly WordPress site and on SB Nation. He's also uh, done countless things behind the scenes with uh, video and graphics and uh, social media posts and that kind of thing. So uh, big, big thanks to Austin for his work over the years and uh, best Absolutely. of luck to him. So much, uh, much love for Austin and well-deserved uh job and you know just shows what you can do hanging out at the mainland for a couple of years uh you can go uh work for your favorite team uh anyway one, that what's that i was gonna say one more rung up the ladder that's right so uh, that'll do it for episode number 98 the voice held out kind of uh i appreciate you guys putting up with me this week uh hopefully we'll be a little bit healthier uh next week when we come back to hopefully talk about a big victory at red bull arena and how wrong we were and uh, yes. also, uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about the Pride and OCB getting some big wins as well. Uh, but uh, until then, for Dave Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor of The Mainland, signing off, as I always do, by saying, Go City!